Welcome to Epilepsy Cast, the podcast about all things epilepsy from Epilepsy Action. Hello. Hey, Hatsi, how's it going? It's going all right. How are you? I'm not bad either. I'm pretty sure you've had some some housework going on. So, are you back at home today? I, I am. Yeah, we're having an extension yes. built on our house um, in oh. Leeds. Um, Ooh, fancy. So I know, I know, very fancy. We got there this weekend, and they dug a massive hole in the garden, which was very confusing for my two-year-old. Oh, really? Was he like, "What? What is this pit? Why am I going? Yeah. <laughs> you just try to dive in?" Uh, yes, as every two-year-old <laughs> would. So, um, but that's Absolutely. quite exciting. But we are yeah. now um, back at work and uh, back recording, yeah. which is really exciting. S- still in a spare room, though. Still in the spare room. Still yeah. in a spare room. We're still here in a spare We're room. We're still here. I think we will be for the foreseeable. Uh, absolutely. So, um, as always, we we always ask like listeners to send feedback and get in touch with us, and you can do that at podcast at epilepsy.org.uk. But we've got a really nice story actually sent in from our listener Richard, um, and he he said he said this. I'll just read it all out. He said. I was out with a seizure last Wednesday, and next I knew I was in an accident and emergency at the Blackburn Hospital. So the service it was given in the current coronavirus crisis was outstanding. After blood tests and MRI scan, he was kept in for two nights for observation. Uh, but it was also being on warfarin, and he had some bruising as well. So you got to keep a check on that. Um, the um, so home social services contacted him and arranged him for a food parcel to be delivered the, ne- the same day from a local food bank and after contacting his epilepsy specialist nurse he got um, his Topimax medication increased um, just in the event of anything else and it's always nice to kind of hear positive experiences especially from someone with epilepsy and especially in the current uh, crisis too definitely yeah we know that it, things aren't perfect and that sometimes people don't have brilliant experiences and our campaigns team are always campaigning to change that but it is always really nice to hear about the good stories too um, and i know that we would encourage anyone that if you are um, if you need to go to hospital at the moment then you absolutely should go i've heard that from lots of kind of doctors and nurses saying yeah like, I've, I've, I've actually, yeah i've actually had an appointment myself and it the doctor I was speaking to was like, "Oh, it's kind of kind of weird to get people actually like coming in for this kind of thing at the minute." And it's good that you have, and yeah, they are actively encouraging uh, people, even if you know it's it's something that you don't consider an emergency, but you do think it needs checking. I would encourage you to definitely keep checking as you you would usually, because you know doctors are still taking appointments despite everything. Completely. Um, And also here at Epilepsy Action, we are looking to celebrate the people who are doing great things for people with epilepsy or who have been over the last 12 months. Um, Every year we normally give out awards to health professionals and schools and um, all sorts of different people who do fantastic things for people with epilepsy. And this year, for one year only, we are consolidating all of those into one award One year only. One year only. (laughs) Miss it and it's gone. Um, We're giving out the Epilepsy Action Helping Hands Awards. Um, So I say one award. We're going to give out five to ten of the Helping Hands Awards to people who have made a difference to people with epilepsy um, in all sorts of different ways. So we're looking for the unsung heroes, really. The people who, like the people who helped Richard, um, you know, the people who arranged that he had that food parcel, people who are making the world better for people with epilepsy. 
Um, so I don't know, perhaps somebody who popped over, has popped over every week in lockdown, if you've been on your own to make sure that you're okay, or every day, someone who's helped you get your prescriptions. Um, we know that life will have been harder for a lot of people at the moment, and then will have been people who have been making that all a little bit smoother and easier. So we want to hear about them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of a new, unique situation this year, isn't it? Where um, you know, usually you might get people doing a lot of different things, but I guess it's a lot. Of, it might be a lot of people just checking on you while you're in your home this year. Um, speaking of unsung heroes, though, we have two really positive stories um, from around the UK. In fact, we're we're, going, we're heading to Ireland for one of them. Our, we we love this guy harry he was in our purple day video he has a se severe form of epilepsy and he's actually won an award um from the belfast telegraph telegraph guys easy for me to say um as as being one of those unsung heroes um he has uh, quite a severe form of epilepsy that's triggered by stress and um throughout lockdown he's been working extra shifts to keep um a supermarket going sainsbury's um he works there and he's been taking a lot of extra shifts he's been working in the mornings for the elderly so they can get their kind of uh, shopping in before the big hustle and bustle uh, back kind of when lockdown started and he is he basically worked every single day uh, of the week for about a month um and it basically that's incredible when you consider the fact that he has quite a severe form of epilepsy triggered by stress uh, obviously it's stressful working in a supermarket um in any situation really harry's been ace and it's it's really awesome that he's won an unsung hero award from the belfast telegraph um for for his work yeah and i also think it's worth giving a shout out to sainsbury's there as well because i know from speaking to harry um that it, the they've worked really hard in the sainsbury shop that he works in to make work possible for him so he has had seizures at work and um, he's had seizures in front of customers and every single time um, it's been dealt with really well um, everyone's been really supportive um, and they've, they've worked to make it possible and I just I know that I personally wish that more employers did that so it's really good to hear that um, it's it's been possible for Harry to, to work so hard and to help other people because I know that makes such a difference yeah exactly and he's a student as well at the same time so it's a bit of a superhero going on bit of a superhero figure um uh the other positive story comes from scotland so we're going going all the way all the way around the uk um there's a a, a nine-year-old girl called lucy who's um done a really awesome video explaining childhood absence seizures um and it's got um, a few thousand views at the minute. It's, it keeps racking up, racking up. And uh, we've shared it on our Twitter. So if you go to our Twitter, at Epilepsy Action, you should be able to see it on there. She, she thinks it's like really important for people to know about different seizure types because as we've discussed before on this podcast, uh, you know, a lot of people think epilepsy is only triggered by flashing lights or it's only the convulsions. Um, but obviously we, we know that there's all different types of seizures and absence seizures do kind of need a spotlight from time to time so it's ace that this nine-year-old girl has taken it on her shoulders <laughs> to uh to make a video and kind of educate people about that yeah it's so brilliant and it's such a sweet video and it kind of ties into what we were talking about with rachel last week that um you know people who have that those types of seizures um, as part of their epilepsy they're kind of um, an education just by walking around which can be really hard work so people who who like lucy um put 
in the time to like speak out and to find ways to educate others is just fantastic um and we really yeah. think that that's a really brilliant She's, thing she, she specifically says in, in the interview as well um that she doesn't think many people know there are different types of epilepsy so as we're saying it's just oh, we think about it as kind of you know you know crazy that people in the wider world don't know that there's more types of epilepsy then like the convulsions and the flashing lights but it really does it really does need a spotlight and um heroes like lucy um are doing are doing amazing work yeah um and if you want to tell us about your epilepsy heroes the people who have made a difference to you um over the last 12 months or perhaps specifically during this lockdown time um the nominations for our awards are open that's epilepsy.org.uk forward slash awards if you want to know more um and i'm really excited that um we are also accepting video nominations this time around um so um you can write your nomination if that's your thing and tell us all about it but if that's not your thing and you want to chat to camera and tell us that way you can do that as well so hopefully that will make it a little bit more um available and open to a lot of different people yeah and i i personally would encourage that as well because um you know for social media videos we can share and you you can really put a spotlight on your nomination and and yeah basically get people to vote for your hero which is what we want and talking about um unsung heroes i we also wanted to give a bit of a shout out this week to the disability benefits consortium um epilepsy actions are part of this group and it's a group of charities who are campaigning um the government and putting pressure to make sure that disabled people get the money that they need and deserve um through the disability benefit system and we know that that doesn't happen at the moment um we know that people with epilepsy find it really tough sometimes to get the money that they need whether that's through pip personal independence payment or esa employment support allowance um or even through universal credit which is the new benefit that's come in but the specific campaign at the moment that the dbc are um wanting us all to get involved in is to ask the department for work and pensions to give the same 20 pounds that they've given to people who are new claimants for universal credit to all um disability benefits they call them the legacy benefits because they're the ones that were in place before universal credit so the government have recognized that people are finding things tough at the moment and they're giving 20 pounds extra to um people on universal credit but that isn't the same for um the other people who maybe get esa or pip other disability benefits um and they're actually saying that um that they're not able to do that because of a computer issue so it just feels a bit like computer says no like uh-uh you don't deserve it um no yeah and it really it, does it just feels so wrong like i know that life will be more expensive for people with disabilities at the moment we know that it's more expensive for people with disabilities anyway um with people for long with long-term health conditions and like adding into the cost at the moment of like taxis to get to health appointments because you don't feel that public transport is safe um i read somewhere that you know if you're not don't feel confident to go to a supermarket all of the supermarket delivery slots were suddenly booked up at the start of lockdown so you had to start using local independent stores to get all the food that you needed that's fantastic but that's more expensive um Mm. and for people who are struggling with money all of that can really make um a huge financial difference and we know that people will sadly be being pushed into debt or really really struggling so that extra 20 pounds could make a huge difference 
Um, so the DBC, um, Epilepsy Action's part of that group, we've written to the Chancellor, we've said, please, can you um, give that £20 to everyone? If you've recognised that one group of people need it, then it seems so wrong just to say that because of technical issues that the other group suddenly don't need it. Um, it really um, doesn't feel like the right thing to be doing. It really feels like everyone needs that money, um, if some people do. So um, please, can they give that um, uplift of money across the board to um, all people on disability benefits and we'll have a link, a link in our show notes um, where you can go to find out more about that um, to find out how you can get involved there's a petition you can sign that you can email your MP you can tweet the Chancellor um, and all the information is there so we really hope that um, you would be able to join us in that yeah absolutely and we know from past kind of pip campaigns like we had the pip pledge and the the summer pip summer of action that we know together when we're fighting for this we are stronger and we did make some headway last year with pip but again it's 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 come back and especially in the current the current climate we really do feel quite strongly about this so um there is a link you can go to it's bit.ly forward slash increased disability benefits but it's a bit hit and miss so as I said, it'll be in the show notes if it don't work for you. So the interview for this episode is with a guy called Bob Sutcliffe. And um, I just think Bob is an amazing guy. Um, he reminds me a bit of Harry, actually, um, Harry in Belfast, because he um, he has epilepsy. He's also had problems with his heart. And um, he has turned that around, that kind of needing to be at home more around into something quite positive and I, um, I'm really looking forward to chatting to him um, so that you guys can hear more about his story. So we're here um, on Zoom because as ever we can't sadly be in the same place together yet um, but we're on Zoom here with Bob and with his wife Jan so uh, thanks for joining us. That's all right. Hello. <laughs> hey guys. Hi. Hi, uh, I'm new. You didn't, you didn't talk to me last time. Yeah, we, unfortunately, we recorded with Bob and Jan before, but it was a little bit uh, disrupted due to the technology, uh, due to internet. But um, yeah, hopefully everything will go fine this time. Yeah, take two. If you feel like you've done this before, it's because you have. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we were just doing a, a tiny bit of an intro um, to you guys when we were recording just now. Um, and we were explaining, Bob, that um, you have epilepsy. Um, and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about those early days, really, if you can remember um, your first seizure and kind of how epilepsy changed your life at that moment in time. Well, I uh, was um, uh, a manager for um, the Lady Strip National Park Authority in a quite a senior position, managing their planning department and their communications and education services there's quite a lot of responsibility there was a lots of public meetings it required a lot of sort of liaison with the community and and then um uh, over the sort of course of a few sort of months probably i sort of noticed that i was going home driving home and not this isn't a long distance that i was driving home and i got home and i couldn't remember coming home and i would speak to the odd person about it just sort of lightheartedly and they would go oh yeah we all do that you know you all do that whole I can't remember doing a certain thing yeah. and but I would say no seriously I cannot remember doing these things and it got to the point where Jan and I said oh you should maybe go and have a chat with the doctor and just see 
what's going on. So I went over with the doctor and he straight away said, I think that could be a form of epilepsy. You need to stop driving now. So obviously it came and, and then we sort of referred to sort of having a few tests. But then I came home and I think this, we had a, that was sort of, I think if I recall, it was sort of before a weekend. So over the weekend, it was quite sort of stressful, that whole sort of process of thinking, oh my goodness, what on earth does this mean? And um, I couldn't drive. And then, um, and then I went back in and sort of mentioned it into work, mentioned it to work, sort of light heartedly. It's like, you won't believe it, but this is what they say I've got to do. Yeah. And then that, that, I think that day I went to a meeting and um, I stood up apparently and said, I'm bored. <laughs> And then went to the, as we'd all uh, like to do from time to time. Which, I know. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people have said that that can't possibly mean it. epilepsy. That was just the truth. But um, <laughs> I stood up and went. Uh, apparently, then sort of went towards the door and lurched forward and had what I sort of call like the full tonic clonic seizures. And that's when it really sort of kicked off. And we always think to this day that it was probably the additional stress over the weekend of the anxiety of. At the back of my mind that caused that sort of final push to to sort of show the full egg, sort of egg existence of epilepsy as I sort of saw it from then on and then from yeah. then on I sort of had seizures frequently until they sorted out my medications that took five years I was right. I was 36 by the way when that happened so that right. was a big thing for people out there. I mean, I was I was um, a young man. We were trying to have a family. We'd only been married for six years. We, you know, it was a huge, huge shock. And for everybody, like from people who would say, what, diagnosed epilepsy at 36? You know, yeah. what, how's that happened? And then we would hit, sort of research it and find that it was possible. You know, it was, it did happen, but it wasn't very common. And then, People would say, surely you've had it through childhood and, you know, you've not noticed it. And it was just so bizarre, the whole process. And it was just, I think we were in shock, weren't we, Jan? Yeah, we were. Just a, it was just such a shock, really. And um, I think I think that the worst bit is that when you do have a seizure, Bob tends to <clears throat> go down with an almighty crash. So we always end up with broken limbs. So uh, the first time he broke his arm and then that was just repairing. And then a week later, he had another seizure to cause a broke, another broken arm. And then he fell down the stairs with the double broken arm and broke his leg. So at one stage, he had a double broken arm and a broken leg. So he looked like we went, we actually managed to go um, for a little time out uh, away and everybody thought he'd had a parachuting accident because he was so I think that that for me really is the you know as, as well as the seizures it's the it's everything else that comes with yeah. it and it's, and what, it's and what did people say when you said no it was a seizure well a... actually you know what that was always a fun thing really funny thing really um that you, I remember going away that summer and we were, I mean, Jan and I were quite determined to be quite normal about it. I would right. go into work sort of like the next day after a seizure. No yeah. idea that mm. that post sort of epileptic seizure period, I forget the proper term for that, can be quite 
extensive and yeah. I would be in yeah. work um, and they wouldn't know in work either. So they wouldn't, um, they didn't understand the, pro, you know, the whole condition properly. So I was determined and they'd all go, crack, he's determined to crack on. But it was just, a, I was just doing the wrong thing. And, and we'd also then think, right, well, we're going to crack on and go on holiday. So we went on our holiday um, and we went into, we, we were going to go camping. So we didn't do the camping bit, but we did stay in a <laughs> bit of a small hotel in North Wales. And when people saw me and said, oh, crack, have you been in a car crash? And we go, no, <laughs> I've got epilepsy. And they go, uh, like, you see that uncomfortable, oh. Yeah. And, I, and that was the first time I felt, Oh, that's what it's like to have a disability where people mm. don't know what to say. And right. I just thought, isn't that interesting? So I really know what it's like to, for people to have that awkwardness. And, I, and it's taken, you know, I've, I've done a lot for, you know, more recently. And since I was, I obviously, I had epilepsy. It, it sort of managed itself. And then as we go on probably through this podcast, they'll tell you sort yeah. of what happened again. But yes. Yes. Um, yeah. As it's happened again in my life, um, I've done a lot more, sort of, I suppose, like being an ambassador for the condition and being really sort of determined to share um, the condition and, and promote it, really, so that people don't have that funny look on the face and that angled head on one side, like, oh. Yeah, the sympathetic head like, tilt. Oh. Oh. Yeah, and you think, oh, dear. Like a dog. Think, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, well... Yeah, it just took a while to get used to that. But yeah. yeah, we always have the first sort of period of epilepsy is very different to the second period of epilepsy that I've had. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're quite different. Could you share that? Could you share those differences? Because I think that's really interesting. Kind of how you chose to approach it the second time round, or how kind of just life had moved on. Yeah, well, I suppose that, as I said, the first time I had it, I. I I mean, you know, career was really important to me. I was really determined. I, I, as I said, I would go back into work very quickly afterwards. It took, um, I think, about four years before I said, actually, I'm going to take some extended leave to try and balance my drug job. And I would really recommend that. If anybody's out there and they really can't sort their, the drugs out and they are still working and they hope they've got a really good employer and employers should be really understanding in this day and age into the condition. If you can get a period of extended leave where you can just take time to rest, balance your yeah. drugs, then that Figure is it all out, worth basically. the way you can yeah. go. It's really, Absolutely. really worth it. So I did do that eventually, but it took me four years. And then during that time, I realized that I was career was not as important. I was going to do something I wanted to do and I always wanted to do, and that was to become a teacher. So I, I applied to, to do a teacher training course where I'd work as a teacher in school and train at the same time. And that was the, when I was training, the, te the trainee, sorry, the trainer contacted me, rang me up and said, are you sure you're going to be able to do this with your condition? Mm -hmm. Because I'd written mm -hmm. it on my application form. And I was like, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, fact that you, the fact that you said are you sure is now made me even more determined yeah yeah, so yeah. challenge period, accepted I was so <laughs> determined yeah and so um, I, during the first I was I mean I trained it's really hard work is training to be a teacher and it's quite intense and I didn't have any seizures I, and it was, we were always wary about having seizures in front of the children I'd let the school always know I was never 
I'd never done anything that was, I always felt it would be irresponsible if I'd not disclosed it to a school. Um, and so I always told them, but then, um, um, in, when would it have been, Nine, uh, 2017, um, I was on holiday, I got bitten, in, it was in this country, I got bitten on my hand, and I had a real swelling on my hand, and then a couple of weeks later, I sort of had flu-like symptoms, and then um, chest pains, and pain down my arm, and pain in my jaw, and right. everybody who does first wow. aid, including myself, who's first aid trainer as well, yeah. um, would know what that symptom is, but I didn't do anything about it, and till sort of sort of yeah it was like after sort of three incidents of it and probably three mini heart attacks later i finally was in hospital being diagnosed with a heart attack a condition called my viral myocarditis right um so that that sort of damaged my heart and it was the virus that sort of affects your muscle around your heart and causes swelling on your heart and i was again I'm gonna school were amazing. They, you know, I spent the time sort of recovering at home. My epilepsy during that time, I carried on taking my drugs as it was. But then when I started back at school, I think the my body had changed. Yeah. And of course, my um and I've been told that that particularly with a heart attack, your your body clock can change. I was waking up at very early in the mornings i didn't sleep very well and of course of course with epilepsy that's a like a red rag to a yeah, ball so yes. um suddenly one morning i drove down to work which is quite a way actually where we i drove down to work went into assembly and had my first tonic chronic seizure in front of the full school wow in, in assembly go big or go and home so, like yeah, yeah. So <laughs> just that's that's when it hit in in sort of from our, our point of view my, my point of view I was devastated because I'd never wanted that to happen in front of the children mm. but yeah. they school were yeah I was gonna say how uh how how did the people's kind of respond to that or, well uh, they you know, they are so resilient I would be so upset about it I'd speak to my head teacher and I'd say look you're I'm so upset. Oh, what about the children? What about the children? I'm sorry for the, you know, I'll be constantly apologizing for it. And she, she would always go, the children are resilient. Don't worry about the children. And the children are so resilient. And they yeah. would, they would be, when I go back in after a period of time, sort of, and I would have, I mean, I did start having more seizures. So it was, you know, it would be like once every week or I would have another seizure and it would carry on. And they'd, they'd come up to me and, Pat me on the back and how yeah. are you doing? And they were amazing. Actually, because uh, Bob probably doesn't really remember this because, uh, but um, I always got used to get a phone call from um, if you have a seizure in school. So uh, I got the phone call. I think it was a, his uh, second seizure in school after the, the the first one in assembly. Anyway, he was um, he was in the dinner hall serving the children, and he had a jug of water in his hand. And right. uh, he basically went down and, and had a, a seizure and um, all the water went everywhere. But like talking how the children are, instead of like 
basically bothering about Bob on the floor. They were more interested in the dinners, so they were like stepping over him, stepping <laughs> right. round him uh. to go and get their dinners. Oh, dear. They sat down, they had the dinners while Bob like carried on on the floor and they weren't, well, I'm not saying they weren't bothered about it, but they were more interested in their jacket potato and cheese mm. right. than they were doing anyway. So that just shows, you know, we, we were more concerned about the children really, but actually... Yeah. Uh, it just came second nature to them. Yeah, they just, yeah. It just yeah. became yeah. the norm. And they, I mean, my school were and are um, amazing. I feel safe. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, how did, how does the school kind of support you? And um, yeah, they, well, they they just, because we obviously we hear a lot of, you know, stories of people who, who do lose their jobs or they feel yeah. like forced out when they have epilepsy. But I guess in your work is um, quite good with you. Yeah, I know that. And I, think what uh, if my story could be of any sort of help to anybody yeah it would be to sort of share the the excellent practice that my school and the sort of Lancashire County Council as the sort of employing authority as well they they've been amazing because they first of all there was never any question there wasn't a you know there wasn't like oh we need to move him out or anything like that you know it was very much we carry on we that's you so know, good. We, they were, I was given rest periods. I was given like cushions and all sorts of stuff. It was sort of a bit like the norm. Obviously, yeah. as it carries on, you have to review the risk and the health and safety, and that became a factor. Yeah. And and I understood that, and I, and it had helped because I'd been through this before, and I wasn't as sort of determined and awkward about it because I had that the first phase of epilepsy that mm-hmm. first era I was I could be quite sort of determined and oh, I disagree with this but I could totally understand why we would be protecting children and other staff and then the school also um, committed to every member of staff being trained about epilepsy um, oh, that's, and that's amazing so they that had really full full training not just on first aid it wasn't sort of like the quick you know move everything out of the way and keep them safe yeah cushion their head put them in this nah, nothing like that maybe we did do that but it was more about the condition and and what's made me feel so much happier then is that i know that the condition is is the seizures um whether they and for anybody who has it it can be an absence it could be a flicker it could be the tonic clonic classic what people think are, is as epilepsy yeah um but also with that are the days where you are sometimes so anxious you feel sick mm. and sometimes yeah. you feel so down and you don't know why but that could be the side effects of the drugs or it could just be either the pre your a uh, you're about to, you know, you're, a, you're at a sort of, I always think that my drugs are always fighting against what my, my body is still wanting to have seizures because yeah. I have epilepsy. It's not gone away. No. And so some days, if I am tired, those drugs are having to fight harder. And yeah. so I find that some days, and Jan would have said that only the other day, she'd probably say, Cranky, you were ratty. And <laughs> I think that those are the days I'm tired. And those days, my drugs are having to work harder to stop me from having seizures and my school now understand what I am like as a person and that makes me feel safe not just the thought that they're going to pick me up off the floor and the order the children are just going to step over me (laughs) (laughs) carry on with the business but um, 
but that they care and they understand the condition in its in that sort of level and depth. They really are a, sort of a benchmark employer, and um, and and it is possible for other employers to be like that. Yeah, it really is absolutely, and I think so many people listening to that will have 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 hope it sounds silly but like you know a lot of people can't get work and i think just stories like you yours really do highlight that yes you can get work and yes people with efforts it can work and yes employees can you know set out a lot of different measures it's not it doesn't take no it take much it doesn't it's take just a lot. Uh, yeah if you think about it yeah i'm not driving a bus or i'm driving a fort lick truck i think those are the worst yeah, sort of yeah, case yeah, scenarios. yeah but you know, there are of course but, certain things yeah, but, i am yeah. responsible for 30 children every day yeah. and yeah. that's a risk great responsibility and so working out the risks and managing that effectively um proves that it is possible to work with the condition yeah of course sure. and it just shows the difference in attitude to me between that um, person who rang you up at the start of your training and just said do you think you can do this and then yeah. your school now who just accept that of course you can do this with the right yeah. risk in place and with the right steps in place and with everyone yeah. understanding what's going on then of course yeah. it's possible yeah yeah I'm, t- I'm so grateful to them Yes, yes. Um, uh, I think in the first interview didn't you say that the, the children like gave you a nickname or something or something like that Oh, um, yeah, they'd say I was <laughs> yeah. floor dancing. Oh, yeah, floor dancing. they say you were floor dancing. Um, yeah, yeah they just think I was floor dancing. So, um, it this is a nice way to look at it. Go, <laughs> I love what, kids. What, are you, what are you doing? And they go, oh, he's just doing some floor dancing. <laughs> and, and I'd sort of like, I just think that was a really nice way of describing yeah. it. They knew what it was, but they were not describing it in a really good way. And Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, and also, because, um, you know, uh, you know, if you see someone having a tonic-clonic seizure, it can be scary. But and you, I guess if the fear is that children will find it really scary. But but no, they mm. just think it's floor dancing. They, you know, they, yeah, they just sort of. I think sometimes they're a bit confused. But I don't think I've ever known anybody being more upset. They were, actually, I had more children upset after I'd had my heart attack. They would go right. back to school mm. then. They were more emotional about that. I think they feel that is more like something that's associated more with a level of seriousness whereas yeah. this sort of other thing isn't yeah it's that's not interesting. serious to them and they, and that's lovely that now i and i understand that now and that's helped me to be feel reassured that a child is is like that yeah and they are really resilient yeah that's amazing and um, we were chatting again before we started the interview Bob about um your fundraising and all that you've done there um and I spotted that you were in the uh local press in the Lake District today was it today or yesterday about um about your painting and your cards and I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about all that you're doing there well um since uh, my heart attack, I um... can I just jump in? They're amazing, by the way. Um, I I'm the guy who runs the uh, all the epilepsy action social media. So my my kind of intro to you was through that because I've, I've obviously seen your amazing uh, sharing on Facebook and Instagram, that kind of thing. So yeah, that's great. So what is it? Bob on paintings, is it? Yeah, it is. If you want, um, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. If you want to check them out, if you want to check yeah, them yeah. out, yeah. quick shout out there. Coming like a yeah. brand. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I start. My brother came to visit me when I'd had my heart attack, and 
he lives um, in, uh, you know, in the other side of the country. And he, he came over and I was, you know, really at a loss for things to do. I was sort of thinking, you know, the part of this whole recovery, you were like, what am I going to do? And I think also when I was ill the first time with my epilepsy, I found it really hard to do anything and motivate myself. And I, and I felt like, oh, no, this has happened again. What am I going to do? And he just said, sort of, why don't you just do some painting or something like that? Because also I was, I think he could see that I was pushing myself too much physically too soon and I wanted to go walk or I would, and he felt that I should just relax and sit. So... Mm. He got me a set of watercolour paints and he said, have a go with that. And then I just started painting, fiddling around and and I suppose eventually, and, I'd, and then I'd say to people, would you like me to paint for you? And I'd have a go at doing dogs and pets and gradually I just it just got bigger and bigger. And then I'd said, well, people would say, well, if you if you paint for me, would you uh, let me at least give you some money for it? And I said, well, I'll raise, raise money for charity then if that happens. And it just, it just like blew up. Like Skyrocket. <laughs> yeah. um, and within like, uh, well, now I suppose that I, we're nearly, uh, it's two years, way over two years, like two and a half years since that happened. But I've nearly, yeah. this year, I think by the end of, this year it should be a hundred thousand pounds that I've raised for different causes. It's amazing. So and that's through like card sales. I like through yeah. epilepsy action. I think my card I, I donate a sort of picture each year. So we're on the third year now. Um yeah. but last year's raised nearly I think nine thousand pounds for yeah. you. Um yeah. which was I was just thrilled with and 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 it's things like that and I've been able to buy a wheelchair for a child and there's all sorts of different things that I do as part of it. And and then more recently we did a paint-a-thon during lockdown where I painted for 26 hours and all the paintings went, for, went to NHS workers and, you know, I just, it's kept me going. Even now, I mean, in lockdown, even though I'm a, I'm a, I'm a part-time teacher, I've now, I've, I do need to say that I am very aware about my cap my, my capacity um, as an individual with epilepsy. So full-time teaching, yeah. I don't believe is sensible for me. It might be sensible right. for someone else with the yeah. condition, but it isn't sensible for me as well with my heart. So I, w yeah. I would I'd just do three days a week. So during lockdown, I've been able to teach remotely and also it's provided me with a really good outlet of something to do it provides me with mental well-being um so i've i keep painting and i'm uh, and more um, recently my cards are going out into like a supermarket brand where it'll yeah. be probably one of the only brands of cards that are like greetings cards that raise money for charity because they don't normally raise money for charity to greetings cards so yeah. i'm thrilled with it and i and actually epilepsy action you know they you've always encouraged me you know it's been a really good charity to support you're the main charity that i've always supported as i've gone along so 
it's been brilliant. And we can't thank you enough. And no, I can't really thank can't. you enough for every time I scroll in through Instagram and stuff like that, I see all the rubbish and I just come across one of your paintings and it's like, yeah. I can go on with <laughs> yeah, my day Carry on. I always, you see, the thing is, I always do a, t- a tag really with it because I'll say to anybody out there, um, if you ever, as part of your well-being with epilepsy, something like painting, something creative, or gardening. I mean, gardening is a fantastic thing as well, if, you, if you're not creative in that way, but you have a, a little patch of something, just do something that will support your mental well-being, yeah, yeah. because that is such a big part of having epilepsy. I, I didn't take medication for that part of my epilepsy until more recently, and I've been on a, a drug... Um, more recently with that that supported my anxiety um and that um i'm not afraid or embarrassed about that i'm so pleased the doctor recommended it and that that my my epilepsy consultant recommended it changed my life yeah so so that alongside it's not a i don't believe in saying oh don't just take drugs because (laughs) or medication that will be sorted out yeah, I believe that it's a combination of doing something like painting. So I always hashtag epilepsy sort of or mental well-being whenever I yeah. paint any picture because that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. it's always great to have your your little patch of your little your little thing, your little hobby that you know takes your mind off things and yeah, and it helps you, yeah. Helps really you, yeah, helps yeah. It, absolutely. Um, and you painted for 26 hours at the start of lockdown. Um, but Jan, you also did some pretty crazy uh, 26 sports, didn't you? But a 2.6 uh, challenge. 26 yeah. Point, yeah, it's the 26.2. The 0.2 is very important. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. So, cool. yeah, I, I was um, due to run the London Marathon for epilepsy action. Uh, but unfortunately, due to the circumstances, it was uh, postponed till October. So uh, when Bob made his decision to do his uh, 26.2 hour uh, paint-a-thon, I just thought, well, I, I can't just sit around and do nothing. So on that weekend, we were due to do the um, marathon. I, I did a 26.2 sports challenge, which um, involved um, fell running, um, mountain biking, racing, bike, uh, racing on my bike, um, and uh, paddle boarding on the pond. Uh, doing dry <laughs> swimming and yeah yeah when that, when, when when dry swimming was mentioned me and me and Hattie in fact all our team were like what the hell is dry swimming what is dry swimming <laughs> I want to know well, <laughs> that, that that out of the 26.2 sports was the hardest thing that right. I've ever yeah, done yeah it looked um, it the pictures and the videos just yeah, looked so, so exhausting basically lay, lying on a bench because I am a swimmer anyway so I'm used right. to swimming in obviously open water but yeah, um, in water. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I lay on a bench and luckily I've got a watch that I can set. So I set it for um, actually swimming lens. So I, I set it for 25 meters of a, a swimming pool and just lay on the bench and just swam front crawl, bit of breaststroke uh, for the, um, the mile, really, the 1,500 meters, which is the right. uh, equivalent to about about um I think it's 72 lengths in a swimming pool so but that that was really hard to do just to keep going and uh we were, we were coming up with all sorts of scenarios about what it could actually be yeah, well, <laughs> like are we just I, are you just sitting on a chair doing this that kind of oh, thing no, I, it was, I, mean, 
it was really hard. And then yeah. straight after yeah. that, we did the next sport, which was badminton and tennis. So yeah. I, I normally beat Bob at badminton and tennis, but oh. actually I had to give it to him on that occasion. So because my arms were so heavy after doing it, because obviously right. I haven't got the uh, the water to support you in that. <laughs> that was the hardest bit. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was it was really good fun. And then the the point two, which um, was obviously the most important bit, were the two dogs that we have at our house uh, going head to head in a, a race around the garden um, oh, nice. to see who could go the fastest rounds. Awesome. Uh, Bob Bob took one dog, Doris, and I took Ida, and uh, we did like an obstacle race. And uh, Ida, and uh, sorry, Doris with Bob won, didn't you? So yeah. they got the uh, well, Bob got his ice cream, and uh, <laughs> Doris got the dog the ice cream. Oh, so yeah, that was a family good. affair. I never, I never beat Janet any sport ever. <laughs> so I was, it was a victory. That he was, needed a dog. <laughs> yeah, well, both of us. I don't normally do anything like that. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, it was yeah. a fantastic day, and it was, it was brilliant because the the support we got all the way along with that was just amazing. From obviously Bob's painting. Uh, and, and my sport, we had a, a lot of support all the way, and we managed to raise over four thousand yeah, pounds. about four and a half thousand. Four and a half thousand, I think, is awesome. Final total, mm, really good. Awesome. Yeah, that was a brilliant day. That actually, I think it was a good replacement. I guess replacement for the London Marathon as much as you can replace the London Marathon. Yeah, uh, I think actually, hopefully it does go ahead in October. We, we never know. You never know. I think it was actually point. harder than the London Marathon. Right. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was really hard. It seems yeah. to take a lot longer. We got so much kit out of the cupboard. We did. <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed, impressed at how much kit you had when I read through the list. Yeah. <laughs> it's we had an awful lot of kit. So yeah. impressive. <laughs> So the, the question that we're asking everyone that we're speaking to in this series is if you um, met somebody who had just been diagnosed with epilepsy and you could tell them one thing, what would it be? Um, from my perspective, I've always had the motto, don't give up, because it is a long road. Um, there's no point in pretending um, that it's uh, a quick fix. Um, it's a lifelong condition, but just don't give up. I felt like that. We were uh, on, an, on the on several occasions. We once went to a consultant, oh, and he said that I probably wouldn't work again mm. um, very early cheery on. Cheery block, then. In, yeah, he was <laughs> cheery. Um, and, uh, that was the greatest Saturday morning of coming out of that and just sitting in the car and it was a rainy day, crying. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was just, it was just awful. Just yeah. be told that, you know, you might as well give up. You know, you just yeah. stay at home and wrap yourself in cotton wool and don't move, basically. Listen to yeah, it. he just, yeah. he so saw it in a different light. And then um, he was an epilepsy specialist. And then luckily my dad uh, knew someone, another, a doctor, a retired doctor. And he said, you need to try and get to the Walton Clinic in uh, oh yeah, yeah. Aintree, yeah, um cool. near Liverpool, and uh, my consultant there, Dr. Nicholson, is amazing, uh, and he helped so much, and he and he just kept kept at it and at it and at it. And one of the things he said to just keep asking people to sort of watch you when you're having your seizures. And so I went back once, and I just said, "Can you just tell me something that I do?" and 
um, that I might you might have just missed and they said well you do this you do this and and you stand up and it was this thing you know I talked to you right at the beginning yeah, you stand up. Standing up and saying, I'm bored and uh, when I went back and said that I'd never mentioned that to him and he said well that is actually probably a pre-seizure it is a form of the seizure itself and yeah. that perhaps says this to me try this drug and i took this new drug and it stopped me having seen wow and so wow. it is the case and i would always say to, to i'd say that to anybody with epilepsy never give up and i say it to the children i work with never give up no yeah wise words absolutely what, what about you jan i mean um being married to someone with epilepsy is there anything epilepsy has taught you or anything you'd you'd say to sort of um a significant other of someone with epilepsy maybe i think like um when you first see the somebody that you love very much uh having a seizure it is very frightening but yeah you know it it will get better and you know it's been a long hard journey really for us isn't it for like the first five years trying to get that the you know the tablets balanced and the like the mood swings but you will get there and just believe you will get there you just need um the support of like your family uh friends um research epilepsy actually would be fantastic um just believe you will get there and just take every day and just be blessed for every day really because we used to live our lives and think oh what are we going to do in like next year what we're going to do but you can't do that we've just got to plan and just yeah. love every day and just live for every day really i would say yeah we yeah. do do that i think that's brilliant advice in general yeah. <laughs> for yeah. general life yeah. well uh, definitely in this current yeah. climate so exactly yes 100 percent yeah absolutely oh thank you so much guys yeah, thank really you. appreciate you talking uh, to us it's been so brilliant to it's chat a with pleasure you. Anytime. Thanks, Bob and Jan, for that um, really interesting conversation. I just think that the journey that Bob has come on with his epilepsy um, is just so fascinating to hear. And I find it so inspiring that um, they've worked and he's found a way that works that balances what his health needs as well as um, how he can work and contribute. And um, I just think he's a really amazing person. So thank you. Yeah, brilliant, especially his, his painting and the amount of fundraising and amazing stuff that he does for us and so many other charities as well in light of everything. Yes. Yeah. Incredible. And yeah. his paintings are genuinely amazing. So if you search Bob on paintings on Instagram or Facebook, whatever your platform choices, yeah, you can see them all there and they're, and they're great. I really want him to do a commission for me, actually. Like, I've been thinking about this, like, one scene that I particularly like from Halo. And I've always thought <laughs> that in watercolour would be amazing. So, hmm, Bob, I might have you on one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just think um, to recognise that working full-time is too much and that working three days a week is going to be better for you to balance your health is um, a really admirable thing to be able to do and that his employer has supported him to be able to do that, I just think, is amazing. And the fact that the kids he works with call the seizures floor dancers is just the sweetest, cutest thing. Adorable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, mean, I guess it's their way of coping as well, which is fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. We've said that we're going to end Epilepsy Cast with the story of a listener. Usually a listener top tip about how to deal with epilepsy. But this week, we want to point you towards something a bit different. 
for those of you that follow Epilepsy Action on social media, you might know Derek K. We love Derek. He, he normally shares videos about his epilepsy that are really funny and humorous. Um, so it kind of really stood out when he shared something different a couple of weeks ago on his own Facebook. I'm sure it hasn't failed to grab your attention that people all over the world are protesting and speaking up for the rights of black people following the killing of George Floyd. Derek posted last week about a truly horrible experience that he had a few years ago. Now, some people might find Derek's experiences tricky to listen to. It's a story about an interaction with the police. And his story speaks for itself, so here it is. It was just um, a normal day. I live in, I was living in, in London, Edmonton at the time. So me, me and a friend of mine were, we were off to the chemist uh, to get my prescriptions. I mean, to get my medication or heading back home. And we were in Wood Green at the time. So we're driving now. It's a normal day, as you can imagine. We hear sirens. And so look in the rear, uh, look in the rear mirror, rear view mirror. I can see like a police van driving pretty fast. So we pull over and obviously the, the van pulls off over behind us. And at the time I'm thinking, it's a bit strange. I just couldn't understand why they're pulling us over. So I put my window down and I'm I'm like, is everything all right? Um, and I turn around and I'm just seeing, I can see around 10 officers. I'm not exaggerating, by the way, 10 officers. And they literally grabbed me. And bear in mind, I'm not using any, I'm not fighting back or nothing. All I'm literally doing at the time is asking, is everything all right? What have I done? And they've grabbed me and threw me down to the floor. Um... Bearing in mind, I can't really see all of them, but they're literally all of them have got me down, pinned me down to the floor. Uh, they've pinned my friend down as well. Um, and they're just asking me, what have I got in the car? What have I not got in the car? And I say to them, look, I've got nothing in the car. Um, what have I done? Why am I being handled like this? And it was just very humiliating because those of you that know Wood Green, Wood Green's a very busy area. And people just walking past, they're probably thinking that um, I've done something wrong. All that's going yeah. through my head at the time is obviously I'm obviously being racially profiled because of the way I look. Maybe they found me intimidating yeah. for some reason. At the time, I was just I was very anxious. I was I was in pain. I was I was experiencing all sorts of emotions. I was just and then that's when I said to the officers, "Look, I've got epilepsy. Please, um, I don't need this stress. Can you please get off me and tell me what what the problem is?" And then one of the police officers. Um, started searching the car and he found my medication and he said why have you got so right. much of it so much of this and I said to him look I said to you guys I've got epilepsy we've just come back from the chemist look I can show you my receipt of the prescription etc and yeah. obviously he wasn't bothered he just said he put the bag down and that's when they picked me up and they took me in the back of the van it's almost like right. they wanted to they wanted to find a reason to arrest me but they couldn't find one so they took me in the back of the right. van started asking me tons of questions like what am i doing here do i have the right to be in the uk when they'd finished with me in the back of the van they literally pushed me out of the van and they didn't even give me no tell me any reasoning why i'd been stopped bearing in mind i've been asking them nicely throughout yeah. the whole process of being dragged out of the car being placed on the ground being then thrown in the back of the van nicely asking them throughout the whole process of why this is happening no one could yeah. give me a reason and you can see more from Derek and hear what he thinks needs to change by watching his video on our social media channels. That's at Epilepsy Action everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter.
Yeah, everywhere. And um, I guess we'll be back in almost two weeks' time. We're, I think we're going to be posting this one on a Wednesday instead of a Monday. So we're back on the 29th of June with uh, two fathers for Father's Day. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Two amazing guys who um, um, are bringing up two, well, four boys, but two of them are identical twins with really severe epilepsy. Um, and we just think they're ace. And I'm really excited to talk to them and bring their story to you. Great. Well, I'll talk to you then, Hattie. See you later.